Teachers, you're listening to the thing that we do on Fridays with me, Brother Lawson, and Brother Wing. Good Friday to you, uh, Brother Wing. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Well, do you start saying Merry? When do you start saying Merry Christmas? It's December, so you can say Merry Christmas. Like December first, you say Merry Christmas, or yeah. I feel like you have to wait till. I feel like you have to wait till after the first presidency Christmas devotional to start saying Merry Christmas. <laughs> I was but, not aware of that standard. <laughs> it was even for me, like I'm a, I'm a strict, you can't play Christmas music till after Thanksgiving kind of guy. Yeah. But even I was surprised in my ward where I'm the Bishop in my ward. Um, like we started singing Christmas hymns the Sunday after Thanksgiving and it felt weird because it was still November. And, um, but according to my policy, it's still okay to sing Christmas. But we're going to blow through all the Christmas hymns before it's even Christmas in the hymn book. So I'm not sure what we're going to start singing up on the housetop, or well, I'm not sure what other Christmas songs there are. But anyway, yeah. Well, teachers, uh, we are approaching Christmas. That's pretty exciting. And we are approaching the end of the Old Testament. That's exciting and not exciting at the same time. Well, it's been quite the journey. Don't you think, Brother Wing? Oh, Genesis. yeah. It's, kinda, it's, it's crazy to think we're right here at the end. Yeah. And how but, much has happened with the Old Testament? Yeah. With, uh, it's like, but it's gone by so quickly, hasn't it? I mean, for a, for a book that's almost 1200 pages long, it just has gone by in a blink of an eye. Now <laughs> we're, we're today, this week, we are in the book of Malachi, the Italian prophet. This kidding. It's Malachi, but I've had a, or a seminary student years ago called Malachi. And I've always liked that ever since. So Malachi, right? So let's talk about what this week looks like brother wing we've got uh we got three three days or two days in malachi we've got a bunch of doctrinal mastery stuff um is that how you're gonna is that does that sound good to you yeah you know you you got a couple yeah you want to camp these are great scripture masteries or doctrinal yeah. masteries yeah so, but it's definitely flexible if you want to spend more time with chapters one through three. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, absolutely. So there's some great content and there's these power packed chapters. Uh, Moroni thought they were pretty good. He quoted some to, to Joseph Smith. Um, and so your students should have a good time. And, and Malachi about said Malachi again. Uh, also, one of the things I was looking at that um, that you can do as you're approaching the Christmas break is you can start taking a look at the new uh, teacher's manual for the New Testament, and maybe you'll want to look up uh, the the couple lessons. There's a couple of lessons about the birth of Christ in there, and you can have your students do some scripture feasting on those those introductory uh, or those those New Testament gospel sections on the birth of of Jesus Christ. I'll also post on our Facebook page um, a a scripture chain that your students actually, I think, might enjoy that takes them through the story of the birth of Christ in a harmony type way. And it includes, Brother Wing, your favorite, the Book of Mormon. That so, is 
So you can do that too. I'll post that uh, on the on the Facebook page as well. Yeah, anything else to say about uh, the schedule this week or should we jump right into the content of Malachi? Let's get into the content. All right. What do you know about the book of Malachi? Or what do you know about the prophet Malachi? Bro, his, his name means my messenger. Well, what kind of message is he delivering? He's got a pretty strong rebuke, you know, but he has some solutions in it as well. Yeah. It seems to me that the one of the main groups of people that he is rebuking is actually the priests, the Levites, the ones that worked in the temple, right? Uh, they they had gotten away from the Lord's standards. And in essence, I think they were just doing their own thing in the temple. And it was very disrespectful. I think sim- it's similar, though. I think there's applicable lessons to, to our day here in, in that sometimes... It might surprise you to know this, Brother Wing, but there's sometimes that people imagine up for themselves what God thinks and expects rather than actually going to the source uh, or listening to his prophets to know what he thinks and expects. But uh, have you ever thought that maybe that people like that might exist in our day? That's It's unfathomable, but, you know. Yeah, there might be. And so the book of uh, Malachi would apply then if you ever knew anybody or a circumstance where people are just kind of making up what they think God wants and and thinks is good and stuff like that. So um, let's start in Malachi chapter one. What do you got for chapter one, Brother Wing? So sometimes it's, you know, you could ask your students, when was a time that they got a, a correction or a rebuke even? And it was good. Like they can look back and be like, man, I really got ripped apart right here. And I was so thankful for it. Or someone just really let me have it. And I realized this was a major blessing in my life. You know, have you had one of those moments for the week? Oh, yeah. Lots. Yeah. (laughs) Because, you know, (laughs) you know, you have lots of strong women in my life and they are not have not (laughs) held back on on uh, letting me. You know, that's true. The, I think the true. most effective rebukes of my life have come from women. But yeah. go on, tell us more. Yeah. So we're not normally looking for correction or rebuke, but when especially when we come to the Lord, we know that His He has perfect love. He has all wisdom. I mean, this is the best place to go to get a correction is from the Lord. And we can go to the scriptures looking for them. Chapters one and two packed full of corrections. And so uh, maybe maybe you can go like we can suggest to our students like you just pick anywhere in chapters one or two. Yeah, read a handful of verses, and instead of just like seeing what's there only, like look for a personal rebuke, like a, mm-hmm. a, a something that you need some correction on, and uh, you're going to have to liken it to your life because this is Malachi, who's like 400 BC, talking about situations in their day but it it is very applicable to us and so that to me would be a great scripture feasting in one and two looking for correction yeah you know one of the interesting styles that that i like that malachi does is he's like he'll ask a lot of questions he'll he'll ask questions that that these priests or the jews had asked he says He'll say things like, wherein has thou loved us? Or where is mine honor? You know, or, or where hasn't, will a man rob God? Where, you know, and, and he kind of, he says, here are the words you're saying to me. Here's what the Lord 
is saying to you. Um, the the priest here, one of the things I was thinking about for chapter one was that um was this statement. I'm gonna have to say this really slowly so that I say it the right way, but it seems like the priests they're offering sacrifices, so they're doing the right thing the wrong way and for the wrong reason. In fact, some of the the I think it's in verse 12, 6 through 12, I really liked of, of chapter one. I think it's around verse 12. The Jews flat out, or these priests flat out said, you know, these sac- are these sacrifices even necessary? And and we think they're kind of inappropriate. We don't think we should be doing these sacrifices. Um, similarly, you've heard people in our day say things like, oh, it's terrible how much money the church spends on temples and 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 think they should be doing it another way. Here you have the, the priests who are supposed to be working in the temple not understanding the significance of what they're doing. They're participating in this religious ordinance, but it's totally in a faithless way, right? That they're offering sacrifices that aren't, aren't approved. So they're doing the right thing and they're doing it the wrong way uh, for the wrong reason. It would be like, it'd be like studying for a test using a stolen copy of that test. And you're, you're, you did it because um, all your friends did well on that particular test. And so, and so you, you don't want to uh, look bad. So that's doing the right thing, studying for a test the wrong way, using a stolen copy for a bad reason, just so that you look good among your friends. In a spiritual sense, it could be, it could look, or a church way could look like, okay, I'm going to go on a mission. That's a good thing. Uh, I'm not going to prepare for it. I'm not going to read my scriptures or prepare in any way for it. And I'm going to do it so that my girlfriend will marry me when I get back. All right. So this is the type of behavior that, uh, that the priests are in what I what I like then in Malachi chapter two is that verses one through ten um, I would have my students I'd have my students say okay what does the Lord identify about these priests in verses one through ten of chapter two and what counsel then would you give these priests and then I would just simply ask my students what personal lessons are you learning from what the Lord identifies about these priests and what you feel like they need to change. Um, just say, what you know, what personal lessons could you learn from what the Lord identifies about these priests? Um, so I like that. I think there's I think there's gonna be good stuff in Malachi one and two. Anything else in Malachi one and two there? Yeah, like in, you know, I just wanted to maybe emphasize this, you know, as teachers are thinking about how this could be useful and maybe if they if the students need help finding applications here. You know, you look at verse eight and it says, and if you offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? If you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? You know, like why were they supposed to offer a lamb without blemish? You know, you could ask the students that they could remember Leviticus even and remember, you know, this is symbolizing Christ and is teaching them about that. And why would they not want to offer a right. lamb without blemish? What personal interest do they question. have to not do that? And just kind of remind them of that. And so then you kind of point out these people were just given their worst. Uh, so they're technically trying to go through the motions of righteousness, but they're deliberately undercutting the law, like what they were supposed to do. And this, this to me would be like maybe an ex- a fair example would be someone, you know, reading the scriptures or going to church or, you know, and just being like, this does no good for me. Right. Like I'm not, and, but they're not giving, they're giving really lame, superficial <laughs> effort to it. And so the reason why it's not, it, it's probably right that it's not doing any good for them. 
But the reason why it's not doing any good for them is not the Lord's fault or the church's fault or the leader's fault. It's their fault, you know, their choice. And so they're giving a lame offering um, in that. And so like verse 13 of chapter one, uh, behold, what a weariness it is it, you know, that they've said, you know, like this is just, yeah. it's so hard to do all this church stuff, you know? Well, yeah, it's hard if you're not getting anything out of it because you're not doing anything right. to get anything out of it. And this, and then it says, you have snuffed at it, saith the Lord of hosts. Like they've belittled the Lord's work and therefore there's going to be the consequences of it. And then chapter two really starts to go into those consequences. It's going to affect the the next generations. I mean, ver- chapter two, verse three is not pleasant about what's right. going to be spread on their faces. Yeah, that's a good, that's <laughs> a good story. Like a Nacho Libre scene about that. I, think. I, I can, I, I'm just thinking of object lessons that you could do for chapter two. <laughs> yeah, that's, but, maybe the only it's... time it'd be appropriate is at the very end of the semester so. right at the very end of the semester <laughs> exactly you know um i like what you're saying there it reminded me i was just talking to that student that was just in my office brother wing sam he was telling me that um he said you know uh bro lawson he says i i have never felt like um, I don't belong at church. And I think I know why. And I said, Oh, really? Tell me why. He's like, I read my scriptures. He says, I, I really think that because I read my scriptures, I feel like I belong. And that, this is just him talking here, but he says, I feel like I belong and I don't get overwhelmed. I don't get really uptight uh, or upset about my church calling that I have. And he has a pretty uh, tough church, church calling here at the ward. So I think there's some there's some power that comes from from relying on the word of the Lord and um and these priests have just been relying on on their own thoughts and their own feelings about what they should be doing and what's acceptable and you use that term that wearied uh it, that very last verse of chapter 2 I think you could get some mileage out of in a seminary class or an institute class where he says, Malachi says, you've wearied the the Lord with your words. That's interesting. Yet you say, wherein have we wearied him? Like, why would he be worried by what we're saying? He says, listen to what they're saying that makes the Lord tired. In fact, I mean, that'd be a great thing. You know, what, what words make the Lord tired? Does not, he does not want to hear. When you say, everyone that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delighteth in them. Or where is the God of judgment, right? I think I I think you could get some mileage talking about chapter 17. Why do you think the Lord is wearied of hearing that particular phrase? So, yeah, that's a great one. That's a great one. Excellent. Um, anything else in one or two? Mm-mm. All right, let's go to three. What do you got for three? This yeah, so chapter three to me is going to going to continue the effort of a a rebuke and you see kind of the attitude i think of the people then when they're asking these kinds of questions like how have we wearied him or (laughs) i'm not trying to like overemphasize that but it does seem like they're not just straying and being wicked they kind of got an attitude about it like that that seems to be the situation here and so hence malachi comes in to kind of say look, you've got this bad attitude. So 
this would be like part two scripture feasting. If you're still doing chapters one through three in one day. So spend mm -hmm. half your class on one and two, and then the second half on chapter three. And so this is where I would direct the students now. Okay. You're going to still see that there's some rebukes in here and you're going to kind of see the attitude of the people, but now start looking for the solution. Can people yeah. with a bad attitude who are totally out of off track, given a at best a half-hearted effort to the Lord. Like, mm -hmm. can they be reclaimed? Can solutions be had? Can corrections be made? Yes. So start looking for those solutions. That's what that would be to me a great scripture feasting in chapter three. Yep. I love that. In fact, that that's true. I mean, he's he's um he promises I'm gonna send a messenger to you priests that is gonna it's gonna fix you guys. All right, we're gonna fix you and and get you back on the right track. Um and and I like that, that he's, that he's going to help them in a number of ways. And there's some dual meaning in this prophecy. Like he's going to send a messenger and he's going to prepare a way. This is a, a prophecy about, um, about Moroni. It's a prophecy about Elijah. It's a prophecy about many messengers that the Lord, Jesus, uh, that, that the Lord is going to send. But you know, one of the things I really like about chapter three, we have the tithing verses in there. Like, what are those? Like eight through eight through 12. And uh, I think our doctoral master is eight through 10, but I think in eight through 12, we get an answer to the question, like, if, how do you repent? How do, if you are not very active in the church, if you want to deepen your conversion, you priests, all right, you priests that are struggling in your assignment uh, to offer sacrifices in the temple, and you priests that are struggling in your assignment to bless the sacrament on Sunday, these two types of priests. What do you do to begin the repentance process? The very first thing he mentions is tithing. When they ask in verse seven, how do I return? Like, wherein shall we return? How do we come back? The first answer that Malachi gives and that the Lord gives is in tithes and offerings. Right? So that, that's a great lesson, a great doctrinal truth there. If you want to repent and change who you are, begin with tithing. And why is it? Why would tithing uh, spark this new change in us? That might be a good conversation to have. Yeah, it's almost like, what do you have to believe in order yeah. to pay tithing, be like excited to pay tithing? Mm -hmm. yeah, so there's some underlying truths there that are reinforced when we actually do live that law of tithing, which then sets us on a, on a right path. Another thing in chapter three that's cool and you, you mentioned the last verse of chapter two that you could get some mileage out of. I think mm -hmm. also chapter three, verses 14 and 15, yeah. when the people, as part of their like stout words, like verse 13 says, here comes 14. Ye have said it is vain to serve God. And what profit is it that we have kept his ordinance and what, and we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts. Like this just seems really applicable to a lot of, um, right. how people view certain things, um, when they're, uh, not seeking the Lord in the best way. Um, and then verse 15 says, and now we call the proud happy. Yea, they that work wickedness are set up. Yea, they, they that tempt God are even delivered. And so it seems like the wicked are getting away with it. It seems like this. And we seem like we're just sad and miserable keeping the commandments, you know, which they're not actually keeping the commandments, but um, they seem like they are, or they think they're claiming that they are. 
And yet they look around in the world and that's where their real focus is. And I think that then exposes where their real problem is, that they're looking to the world more than they're looking to the Lord. And that's why they have these stout words against the Lord. Right. And, but it'd be interesting. I, I wouldn't want to say this up front to all of the students. I would just want to let them find that. What do you think yeah. about that and see what they yeah. have to say about it? That's written pretty plainly. I got a Christmas present for you, Brother Wayne. Oh, you know, you're just I know, I know, and it's not your love language, but I got something for you anyway. I know how much you love scriptures about scripture study and the importance of the word of God. And there's there's one in verse 16 for you that I that I wanted to point out for you. Okay. I think it's about scripture study. I'm, I'm going to make it about scripture. Study. Listen to this. Then they that feared the Lord or had respect towards God. They spake often one to another. This is like a seminary and institute scripture, uh, scripture too. They spake often one to another. So in a group and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And then this part and a book of remembrance was written before them, before him, for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. I like to think of the scriptures as a book of remembrance. And look at those people who feared the Lord and were appreciative of this book of remembrance They'll be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up jewels, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son. And they shall return. This is the cool part about scripture study. Uh, then shall then shall you return and discern between righteousness and wicked. Remember before they were saying the proud are happy and the wicked are set up. Now they can discern because of this book of remembrance, uh, the scriptures. They can discern between righteous and the wicked between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. The ones that that typically claim all the time like that God is okay with this and that God is okay with that, they're typically the individuals that don't study scriptures and don't uh, and, and don't receive revelation from the scriptures, but they imagine up uh, God to them. So I just thought I'd give that to you for Christmas. So don't expect anything else. <laughs> That's a great that is I'm satisfied. That's a great Christmas present. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. All right. I hate to do it to you, Brother Wing, but it's the last chapter of the Old Testament, chapter four. This is a good one. Uh, what do you want to say about chapter four? Um, chapter four, I mean, we're going to want to really heavily emphasize the spirit of Elijah. We may want to give some background about Elijah, you know, maybe go to the Bible dictionary and talk about him. Um um, and his role, but there's the, to me, it's like, if the students can take at least from this part of it, they can take the idea that this, this chapter can save the world. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that's a dramatic statement, but you know, you could set it up that way. Like this, this last six <laughs> verses are going to save the world, go students feast and find yep. how they will save the world. But They'll want some help with Elijah and understanding him and his role. You might want to reference uh, section 110 in the Doctrine and Covenants to talk about how he actually did come. And so restoring priesthood keys was vital to the earth so that it's not smitten with a curse. Perfect. I love that. All right. We did it, Brother Wing. Anything else you want to tell these teachers before we sign off for the year? I think with the doctrinal masteries, you know, you'll you know, you'll go in more in depth in chapter three and chapter four with those two doctrinal mm-hmm. mastery days. And then that last day, I know teachers have a lot that they want to do on right there at the end. 
and what they want to do with the last day on our pacing schedule, it recommended a doctrinal mastery overview. And so I, I still think that if you feel like that's the right thing for your students, it still might be kind of cool to uh, assign each of the students. We've talked about this before, but I just wanted to review it. Mm -hmm. Assign each of the students a doctrinal mastery passage. Yeah. They review that really quickly, but really well, like they become that. And then you kind of list off some questions, like have the students come up with some questions they think are important. And then each of the students then speak as if they are that verse and what they can contribute right. to answering that modern question that students have. That can lead to some really good discussions. It might be a great overview of the whole uh, Old Testament. It's a great way to review those. Excellent. Teachers, we hope you've loved the Old Testament or at least liked the Old Testament this year and uh, and you and you felt the spirit as you've talked about it, as you've studied it, and as you've testified of the truthfulness of the restored gospel of Jesus Christ with your students. What an awesome assignment that you have as seminary and institute teachers. We hope this podcast is, helps you. Um, and uh, you can, if you'd like to share the podcast with others, you can. Um, if you want to have people be tortured the same way that you you are, that's totally fine by us. But um, until next year, everybody, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. We love your guts. Stay righteous. <laughs>